It's Sophia Franklin, and if you don't already know, listen up. My mini-series is live now each and every Monday, and the only person missing is you. We're dating, we're dumping, we're learning, and we're tapping into all the feels that originally brought us together. Listen and follow Sophia with an F on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The day after Claudine Loera's body was found, Captain Fred Calderon and his partner, Texas Ranger E.J. Salinas, were interviewing witnesses, struggling to piece together leads, when a state trooper named Francisco Hernandez reached out. I'm right here at the Circle K on uh, McPherson and uh, Loop 20. It's in reference to uh, an assault uh, on a female. Yeah, I'm waiting here with a female. All right, thanks. Trooper Hernandez had been refueling his patrol unit at a Valero gas station in North Laredo when a young woman, wearing only a red bra and jeans, suddenly ran up to him. He said that uh, some female runs across a parking lot without a shirt, just in her bra, runs up to him, says somebody's after him, that she feels like, you know, they're after her to kill her. The trooper's body cam captured his conversation with Salinas. She's without a shirt. She's without a shirt right now because she escaped from him. The woman said her name was Erica Pena. She told Trooper Hernandez that she had just escaped from a man who tried to kill her while they were parked in his truck nearby. She escaped from a guy that pointed a gun at her. She's in shock, man. Trooper Hernandez gathered that the woman was a sex worker who knew both Melissa Ramirez and Claudine Luera, the women who'd been murdered over the past 10 days. She's one of those... One of those girls, you know what I mean? She knows who they are, still muchachas. Help me. Pena didn't know much about the guy, Hernandez said. But what she did know might help authorities identify him. So she knows that guy's name, like the first name and where he lives, though. Just the first name, David. Calderon had seen promising leads before. The truck that sped away from the first crime scene. The blood-soaked sheets at the Siesta Motel the man who'd argued with Claudine the night she was killed. But this was different. If Erica's attacker was in fact the same guy who'd killed Melissa and Claudine, she could lead the cops straight to him. Still, the clock was ticking. Calderon told the trooper to bring Erica to the station as fast as he could. Their new suspect was now on the run, and he must have known the cops were closing in. This is Gone South. I'm Jed Lipinski, episode four, David. I remember that evening was uh, drizzling, raining, and I remember seeing the trooper pull up and she comes out with him and she's distraught, crying. She's completely frantic and she's convinced someone's out there after her and it's gonna, you know, hurt her or kill her. Erica Pena arrived at the Webb County Sheriff's Office around 9.30 p.m. Calderon could tell she was in shock. He pulled out a pack of cigarettes and offered her one. She starts, you know, chain smoking cigarettes outside in the substation and after she calms down, 
you know, she starts to tell us exactly what happened. We spoke with Erica in early 2023. She explained that the man she knew as David had first picked her up around five months earlier. I remember when I first met David, I had told my mom that he was very tall, that he was very handsome. And I told my mom, I'm talking to this guy, and but he's married and um, the wife is never around. And I remember my mom told me uh, just to be careful, to be safe. She continued to see David every few weeks. He would give her money to buy drugs, and they would go to his house or the Cactus Motel on San Bernardo Avenue. She found him polite, funny, and charming. Of the sex workers he'd been with, David told her she was his favorite. We became friends, me and David. We would talk, right? We would talk a lot. According to Erica, David confided in her about the struggles he was having with his wife, who didn't like living in Laredo. He imagined what it would be like if they lived together and Erica stopped using drugs. At the time, my life was out of control, so I couldn't get sober from one day to the next. He would just say that um, there was so much good in me that, um, that he had a lot of faith in me being sober. Despite such intimate exchanges, Erica told Calderon that much of David's life remained a mystery to her. She didn't know what he did or who he was really, but she started telling us he drove a white pickup and that she had been to his house before. Erica told Calderon that after Melissa was killed, she'd stop going out at night, fearful that the killer might return to San Bernardo. She'd ventured out for the first time earlier that evening, only to see David's truck pull up. I was standing up on San Bernardo uh, by the bus stop, and I remember I see David driving by, and he drives around. Erica was relieved to see a familiar face, and she climbed in. As he'd done before, David took her to buy heroin and then drove her back to his house, where she shot up at his kitchen table. At that point, the conversation turned to Melissa's murder. According to court documents, Erica had seen David with Melissa shortly before she died. She asked if he'd heard anything about it. I had told David, hey, do you know what's going on? They found Melissa dead, right? And the only thing he said was, yeah, I saw it in the news. According to Erica, David's demeanor changed. David gave me a different, uh, weird vibe. He had never given me an off vibe. David admitted that he'd been with Melissa not long before she died, Erica said. He worried the cops might find his DNA on her and consider him a suspect. And that's when I got scared. That's when I snapped. Well, why are you going to be afraid for someone to check your DNA if you have nothing to do with it? Erica suddenly felt sick. She said she heard a voice in her head telling her to get out of the house. She told David she needed a cigarette. Then she walked into the front yard and threw up on the sidewalk. David followed her and suggested they take a ride. He offered to get her something to eat at a nearby Circle K. Erica was petrified, but felt she had no choice. So she reluctantly got back into his truck. On the way over there, the ride was quiet. David was very nervous. David was not himself. Erica managed to keep her composure as they slowly pulled up behind the Circle K. 
Then David put the car in park and turned to her. He just looked at me and um, he didn't say anything. That's what trips me out, that he didn't say anything. He just looked at me and that's when David um, took out a gun and pointed it at me. Erica screamed and tried to honk the truck's horn, but David grabbed her shirt and restrained her. He was trying to grab me from my shirt and um, some way, somehow, I was able to take off my shirt and take off running. It was then that Erica spotted Trooper Hernandez gassing up his vehicle across the parking lot. So I ran to the officer and I told him what had just happened to me. And yes, everything happened so fast. So, so, so fast. Trooper Hernandez asked Erica if she knew where David lived. She told him she could probably find it. So I remember the day he picked me up. I was paying real close attention to the streets. And I remember telling the trooper, please don't forget this name because this is the name of the street. San Hill or something like that, right? San Hill, I think that's what it is. Erica repeated the street name to Calderon as they stood outside the sheriff's station. She is able to describe the house very particularly. And uh, she tells us about, you know, the vomit she left on the sidewalk. And she's telling us it's by the academy in North Laredo. So that kind of gives us the neighborhood. And I think I know where she's talking about. And so at 11 p.m. that night, Calderon, Erica, and a cadre of sheriff's deputies drove through the streets of Northeast Laredo searching for David's house. So she's telling us the house looks like this with steps like that. It's got a driveway here and I vomited here. So that's what we were looking for. Then, as they entered the San Isidro neighborhood, a middle-class subdivision full of newly built single-family homes, Erica spotted it. I just said, uh, that's the house right there. And it was, as she described, with the stairs leading up to the door and the small pathway going up to the driveway and the vomit where she said it would be. No one appeared to be home, so Calderon ran a background search on the property. It indicated that a white 2015 Dodge Ram pickup like the one Erica described, was registered to the address. The owner of the house was listed as Juan David Ortiz. We found out that it didn't list a current employer, but it did list a previous employer as uh, U.S. Navy. When Calderon showed Erica a photograph of Ortiz, she confirmed it was the same man who just assaulted her. So we feel like we have a pretty good lead and we have a pretty good suspect but that's not the first time we'd felt that. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. They said it couldn't be done. They say it bordered on impossible. When someone says I can't do something, I usually agree with them. (laughs) And now, against all odds, this completely mediocre comedy podcast has done the unthinkable. They got listeners. We got listeners. No way. Amazing. Now available on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm so happy we're at Odyssey now. Oh my God, they're amazing. The Commercial Break Podcast. You heard it here last.
Once Erica Pena had identified Juan David Ortiz's house, Calderon sent her back to the station while a few deputies stayed behind in case he showed up. In the meantime, Calderon issued a bolo for Ortiz's white Dodge pickup. You know, we're looking for this truck, this Dodge with these license plates, possibly being driven by this person, Juan David Ortiz, and we think it might be frequenting this up in Nardo area. Calderon told a group of state troopers and Webb County deputies to saturate San Bernardo, as well as the areas where Melissa and Claudine's bodies were found. He warned them that Ortiz, who may have been responsible for two murders and an aggravated assault, was ex-military. Less than an hour later, a state trooper was driving south on San Bernardo when he saw a white Dodge truck parked outside a Stripes convenience store. He watched as a man who appeared to match the description of Juan David Ortiz exited the truck and walked inside. The trooper radioed for backup, and the dispatcher relayed the call. Como quiera, ¿dónde estás ahorita tu station? Aquí, Jefferson and Stripes. Jefferson Stripes, okay. Within seconds, another trooper arrived. That's the strip right there, he walked inside. He walked inside? Yeah. 38.45, being in contact. This is body cam footage recorded by one of the state troopers. As they approached the front of the store, Ortiz walked out. The two troopers ordered him to put his hands in the air. Stop right there! Stop! 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 Is this your truck? Is this your truck? In the video, Ortiz pats himself down as if he's looking for something. He then tells the troopers, you guys are freaking me out. Turn around. Okay, okay, I'm gonna explain to you. Sir, we got a positive ID. This truck right here is matching with the murders that's been happening within the past two weeks. We wanna do an interview, we wanna do some questioning. Uh, we, we just need for you to cooperate with us, okay? All right, fine. Just turn around and make my way this way, okay? But Ortiz doesn't turn around. Instead, he slowly backs away. Turn around. Just turn around, please. Turn around. Oh, hey, 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 The troopers chase him and fire their tasers, but Ortiz is out of range. He then takes a hard left and disappears somewhere in the vicinity of the Ava Hotel. Watch out. Where's he at? By the time Calderon showed up, the scene was swarming with local, state, and federal law enforcement. He was briefed by one of the troopers who chased Ortiz. The trooper says he lost him somewhere in that area of the hotel. He's convinced that he's somewhere in that area, that he didn't make it further than the hotel. So, you lost him right, you lost him right here? Right here, look, right here. Hey guys. The guy's turning right there. Right there, we lost him right there. The trooper then explained that Texas Rangers had searched Ortiz's truck and found a holster and an empty magazine in the front seat. You running with That's anything it. in his hands? Nothing. 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 They they found an empty magazine in the truck. So he's got a weapon. He's got a weapon. On it's not in the truck. It's on the truck. At that point, a ranger tells me, "Hey, I saw a holster, but I didn't see a gun. So he's probably armed. He had a gun on him. So we're fully expecting him to be armed." As Calderon debated how to approach Ortiz, word came over the radio of another disturbing development across town. A motorist had just discovered a body by the Highway 35 interchange. 
We advised we got another possible victim, 135, near the interchange. Might be related to this traffic. A deputy had already responded, and he said it looked a lot like the other two murder scenes. Calderon relayed the information to his men. We have another suppression. What, what's the 20? It's a 20-mile marker web interchange to H35. Deputy don't seem to securing the scene for now. Calderon suspected Ortiz was behind this one, too. He assumed Ortiz had spotted deputies near the first two crime scenes and dumped the body off Interstate 35 instead. We called you all and we put our deputies on 83 North and on 255. So he didn't go back over there. He fucking went on 35 and he dumped her there. Yeah, we got another body right now. Amidst the chaos, Calderon established a perimeter around the hotel and ordered the Laredo police to shut down the block. When the Webb County SWAT team arrived, Calderon ordered them to move in. So 10-4, this is what I want y'all to do. I want y'all to stay right here. I'm going to go up top. I'm going to take top cover. 10-4? Yeah, let's go. All right. David Ortiz, come out! Around the time troopers spotted Ortiz's truck outside the Stripes convenience store, LaGordy Loca was headed to Laredo's club district to meet some friends. I remember that I had gone out one night and I was downtown. We were getting into the bar when all of a sudden we see well, it was Border Patrol first. And then when I saw DPS following, I was like, this looks interesting, right? And then I saw police following after that, and I was like, uh-uh, I'll be back. And everybody's like, where are you going? I'm like, when it's lights and sirens, it means there's something bad going on. So I turned around, got in my truck, and hauled ass behind them. LaGordi Loca followed them to the Ava Hotel on San Bernardo, where officers had surrounded the hotel's parking garage. So I park and I, you know, just basically take out my camera and start recording. I don't know what is going on. All I know that Texas Rangers, DPS, the Laredo Police Department, uh, Sheriff's Department are here at this time. Everybody has their firearms at hand. Like I said, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but this shit right here is serious. Like very, very fucking serious. It was now close to one in the morning, and Ciara Munguia was at home, unable to sleep. Ciara had learned just hours earlier that her mother, Claudine Luera, had been murdered, and that the perpetrator had likely killed Melissa Ramirez as well. Her family had urged her to stay with them, but she told them she wanted to be alone. And of course, I'm on Facebook, just scrolling, and I see people sharing that La Gordi Loca is live for a manhunt. Ciara clicked on LaGordi Loca's live stream. She recognized the area as the part of San Bernardo Avenue she had walked in search of her mom earlier that year. They're outside of the Ava Hotel, and there's like a lot of commotion, a lot of cars, a lot of people. All I know is that everything is closed off. Everybody has their guns in their hands. Everybody's hiding behind a fucking truck. I don't know why I should be hiding behind my truck. Ciara struggled to understand what she was seeing. But then LaGordi Loca revealed that the commotion may have been connected to her mother's murder. LaGordi Loca says that she suspects that it is the murderer being chased. I'm more than sure that it's related to the two recent deaths of the two females. I mean, I don't know how bad this thing's going to get, but it's going to get pretty bad. 
As La Gordiloca live-streamed the scene outside, the SWAT team and other officers continued clearing the parking garage. I was at the top of the ramp. SWAT team was searching the bottom, trying to clear that empty lot area. So they go to look car by car to see if he's there. Back outside, Calderon's partner E.J. Salinas placed a call to the Border Intelligence Center requesting background information on their new suspect, Juan David Ortiz. Within minutes, Salinas got a call back. And he gets a phone call and he's stunned by whatever phone call he received and I'm asking him what's going on. And he's asking him, are you sure, are you sure? Yes. He goes, the guy we're looking for. He said he's a Border Patrol agent. And I said, he works for Border Patrol or he's an agent? He goes, no. He's an agent. I said, how sure are you? He goes, if it's Juan David Ortiz that drives that truck, we're looking for a BP agent. He tells me that whoever he's talking to was finding out that he's a supervisory border patrol agent and assigned to the Border Intelligence Center. The Border Intelligence Center was the same facility Calderon and Salinas had been collaborating with for the past two weeks in search of Melissa and Claudine's killer. Calderon realized Ortiz may have been following, if not interfering with, the investigation all along. When agents at the Border Intel Center discovered their colleague was the subject of a countywide manhunt, they were as shocked as Calderon. They began calling Ortiz's cell phone, but he didn't pick up. When they tried to message Ortiz on Facebook, though, they noticed some alarming posts on his page. To my wife and kids, I love you, one of them read. The other read, Doc Ortiz checks out. Farewell. Fearing that Ortiz was about to commit suicide, one agent called Ortiz again. And this time, he picked up. It's over, Ortiz told him. The agent asked what he was talking about, but Ortiz simply repeated himself before hanging up. Yeah, I'm good. By now, the SWAT team had cleared the first two floors of the parking garage. Only the third floor remained. Calderon followed closely behind the tactical unit as they weaved in between parked vehicles, searching under and inside each one, until one of the officers approached a truck in the corner of the garage. As he raised his assault rifle and peered into the truck bed, Juan David Ortiz popped out, brandishing what appeared to be a gun. But it wasn't a gun. It was his phone. Our officers didn't fall for it. They noticed it was not a gun and they didn't engage him. The SWAT team pinned Ortiz to the ground and handcuffed him. Calderon made his way through the crowd and looked at Ortiz for the first time. He was sweaty and, you know, he wasn't saying too much. Ortiz was put in a squad car and driven to the station where a new phase of the investigation was about to begin. Next on Gone South. We're dealing with a cop. He knows how we operate and he worked at that border intelligence center. So how much does he know of what we know? Why are there rounds missing from your gun right now? Why are we missing rounds from your neck? And he takes off, opens the handcuffs and takes them off. And the floodgates open from there. If you have questions or information for the Gone South team, please email us at gonesouthpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review. 
Gone South is written and narrated by me, Jed Lipinski. Executive produced by Jed Lipinski, Tom Lipinski, and Ken Lee. Our story editor is Tom Lipinski. Directed by Lloyd Lockridge. Produced by Anna Worrell. Edited, mixed, and mastered by Chris Basil. Original music by Marshall Chadbourne. Production support from Ian Mott, Bill Schultz, Bob Tabador, and Sean Cherry. Special thanks to J.D. Crowley, Jenna Weiss-Berman, Maura Curran, Josephina Francis, Kurt Courtney, and Hilary Schuff. Gone South is an Odyssey original. A new true crime podcast from the team behind Up and Vanished. In 2016, Justin Alexander, an adventurer, was invited on a trek by an Indian holy man. They headed to a spiritual ground in the Himalayan mountains, a place beyond civilization. The holy man returned and said nothing, but Justin was never seen again. What happened to him? Dive deep into our investigation and uncover the strange events surrounding Justin's disappearance in status untraced. Check out this sneak preview. And this last experience he had with Rawat, I didn't feel good about it. In fact, I felt it was dangerous. It sounds strange, but I just, in my mother's heart, something was not okay. I felt that he was a nefarious character. Status Untraced is available now. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.